Hello and welcome to the Harvard Center for International Development's weekly podcast. The New Climate Economy recently released their 2018 report on unlocking the inclusive growth story of the 21st century, accelerating climate action in urgent times. The key findings of the report focus on five key economic sectors, energy, cities, food and land use, water and industry, as well as the cross-cutting issues of finance and just transition. The report also highlights some examples of the low-carbon transition taking root, as well as the economic and social benefits being reaped as a result. How can countries come up with a sustainable development model that promotes economic growth and environmental change? Leonardo Carrido, lead economist at the New Climate Economy, explains how we can move from evidence to implementation and work towards better growth and better climate. Today on CID Speaker Series podcast, Nawal Kutub, student at Harvard Graduate School of Education, interviews Leonardo, who provides further insight on the work of the new climate economy. He also discusses their work on a low-carbon development initiative in Indonesia, a collaboration with the Indonesian Planning Ministry to create a low-carbon five-year development plan. My first question is, could you please tell us what is the new climate economy and how is the climate change related to economic prosperity? Sure, thank you. New climate economy is a flagship project from the Global Commission on the Economy and Climate. This is an international initiative that tries to examine how countries can achieve simultaneously higher levels of economic growth and well-being while delivering on targets regarding to carbon emission reductions and climate change. So this is commission that supports the NCE is integrated by a group of prominent scholars, former heads of states, academics, and representatives of the private sector, including, for instance, Lord Nicholas Stern, leading author of the Stern Report on Climate Change, Kristalina uh, Georgieva, a CEO from the World Bank, and Felipe Calderón that we had today, uh, former president of Mexico, former prime minister of New Zealand, Helen Clark, former minister of finance in Nigeria, Ngozi okonjo Iwala, and a large roster of high influential individuals that help us drive the climate agenda across countries in the world. Um, basically, on the question regarding the relationship on climate and the economic prosperity, basically, we have spent at NCE several years trying to build up such evidence on, by means of independent research on what are the co-benefits that emerge from climate action. Um, by doing that, we have engaged many um, scholars, thinkers, experts, private sector representatives, and we have gathered such evidence that basically supports these ideas that climate actions are leading to better, higher path of economic activity and higher levels of well-being in the society by means of two things. Number one, by means of providing an incentive to an increase in technological progress in the countries from the economic benefits that occur along the energy transition and transition energy system. And second thing, because we believe that by using the uh, engine that is provided by sustainable infrastructure investments, we will be able to basically to finance those higher levels of economic growth that are associated to low-carbon development paths. Awesome. And then, what are some of the key findings that were shared in the 2018 report that was recently published? Basically, we were able to identify a set of benefits that I will describe in a minute. And these benefits emerged by means of accelerating transition in what we consider five key social and economic systems, or five pillars that will support the transition towards a low-carbon economy. Number one, the movement towards clean energy system, shifting away from 
high carbon sources of energy from fossil fuels and to into renewable energies that will drive economic growth, I mean, as I was saying earlier, driving higher productivity, the technological progress and, and creating gains in total factor productivity by means of gains in efficiency. Second, by means of what we call smarter urban development, basically by means of being able to do proper urban planning and strategic infrastructure investment, we will be able then to have those infrastructures that are more adequate to sustain low carbon systems in the future. Third, I'm basically trying to promote sustainable land use. One of the coalitions that is basically associated to the work that we are doing at the new climate economy is that of the food and land use, the food and land use coalition or follow as we call it. That is doing an amazing job in helping to identify solutions to boost agricultural productivity, reduce food loss and waste, and overall paving a way to preserve the forest and to, to regenerate our natural carbon sinks, uh, the forests, the peatlands, the mangroves, and so forth. So basically by promoting sustainable land use, uh, we are also contributing to this target. Another area that we do emphasize in the report is in wiser water management, given all the issues that we are facing nowadays on scarcity of water. I think that by promoting those cleaner energy systems and sustainable land use, basically we are also helping to do a more adequate use of the water resources that are becoming more scarce in critical parts in the world. And finally, we are basically making an emphasis on the idea of the circular economy, basically circular economy principles, whereby industrial economic systems can make better use of the resources they have, reducing waste and having a higher amount of output the inputs they use. The overall impact is one that will generate co-benefits, as we say in the report, that will accumulate through 2030 in excess of 26 trillion US dollars. We will generate jobs, uh, 65 million new jobs, green, low-carbon jobs that are better paid for individuals, increasing health outcomes by means of lower air pollution, reducing government expenditures in health associated to improve health outcomes and so forth. So these are just a few of the benefits that we expect to see based on the five pillars that I identified. Okay. And then uh, reading the report, I um, noticed it refers to the next 10 to 15 years as use it or lose it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could you please tell us more why the upcoming decade is very important in terms of the new climate economy? Sure. In a past report from the new climate economy that we paid a special attention to issues of infrastructure, we identified the amount of infrastructure needs that are associated to a low-carbon development path across the world. We measure the amount of investment that is linked to this path to be on the vicinity of 90 trillion U.S. dollars. And what we are seeing is that basically countries in the world are replenishing, substituting the old infrastructure by new structures. And we see there a great opportunity for substituting that old, great, low resilient old infrastructure by new temporal infrastructure that will be better associated with the transition. So the use or lose concept is basically to take advantage or seize this opportunity that we are basically facing away from old great infrastructure and productive and to move into new one by means of adopting the right decisions regarding investments and regarding bringing the right technology and the right infrastructure that is associated to, to low carbon paths. So what is the new growth agenda in action? Sure. When we refer to the growth agenda, we are talking about the growth story of the 21st century. What we're saying is that trying to debunk an old belief that doing something for 
climate, doing something for environment, has at least in the short and medium term costs associated to that transition. What we're trying to say in the new growth agenda in action, what we're trying to say is that there is no such a thing as trade-off. There are actually co-benefits. There are win-win outcomes that are associated to moving to better climate, to low-carbon uh, development path. So the new growth agenda in action means that by means of undertaking low-carbon development opportunities that will deliver on urgent climate targets, such as those that were identified recently by the new report by the IPCC on October 8th, by delivering on those promises, we still can generate economic outcomes that are superior to any other economic development path. And that's what we refer to as the growth story for the 21st century. So could you tell us more about the Low Carbon Development Initiative? You're referring to the case of Indonesia. The case of Indonesia, yes. Yes, yes. And basically, this is a very exciting initiative that is being promoted by the government of Indonesia, a presidential initiative that is being instrumented by the Ministry of Planning and Economic Development, BAPENAS, that is trying to bring into the medium-term development plan, the RPJM, for the period 2020-2024 to make it the first low-carbon development plan for the country. So the low-carbon development initiative is basically the set of steps, policies, interventions, and investments that are associated with Indonesia moving into fulfilling the promise of delivering on their carbon reduction. What they have identified is basically a plan to reduce carbon emissions by 26% by year 2030 relative to a business-as-usual scenario. And to have an even more ambitious scenario that by that year the reduction would be in order of 26%, but of 41% in the event that they have international financial support. So the Low Carbon Development Initiative is basically the set of actions, policies, interventions, investments that the government will undertake in order to deliver on that promise. In that process, they actually they have identified what are the implications of moving into that path for the economy. And this basically nicely connects with the messages that we have in NCE, that climate action actually delivers high in terms of economic outcomes and opportunities for all. Because what we are identifying in the first set of, of results that are emerging from the work is the economic activity, GDP growth would be higher under this low-carbon development initiative path for, for Indonesia. And not only that, but also that it's going to be one economic path that will deliver better paid jobs for a majority of population and also, importantly, a high rate of reduction on the poverty outcomes. And we, the level of the new climate economy, are providing the technical support in terms of research, uh, also communications and engagement that are very high uh, elements of our new climate economy offering or packages. We are providing the government of Indonesia with that support on the technical level, on the communication level, and trying to engage with the key relevant partners, stakeholders, donors, private sector, other entities in government to make it possible. Awesome. And then how do we move from evidence to implementation? I know this was just asked in our session and I'm wondering how do we move from one stage to the other? Yes, and I appreciate that question because when we are talking about climate policy, we think about that relatively in a vacuum, but we tend to ignore that we are basically talking about instrumenting policies that happen in the context of the need to change some institutional settings, in many cases to change the mindset of individuals, to try to persuade individuals that actually climate action is good 
for your business. The climate action is good for the economy. That is good for the world. So not everybody is aware of the analytical work on the benefits of climate action, uh, such as those that we are trying to disseminate from our NCE work. So one of the challenges on implementation is try to make sure that every time that we provide technical support, in this case, to countries, that we basically make it clear by means of our communication and engagement strategies about those real benefits that are expected from that. Second thing is that we acknowledge that even though there is going to be large gains from climate policy, there are going to be some individual identified, isolated individual businesses, institutions that may feel threatened or affected by potential climate action. So our goal is to try to find a way to overcome the challenges on implementation that may emerge because of some specific institutions, individuals, or, or groups that would try to pose those measures. And the way of doing that is basically to communicate, to engage, to have this message delivered across the board. And I can tell you, based on the work that we have done at SEED, that's a really intensive task. It, engagement means you need to engage, mm -hmm. that you need to basically to put a lot of effort. And, and we have seen that actually this pays off very small example I'm going to give you about how we overcome implementation. One prominent figure in Indonesia, when we were talking about low-carbon development policies, he kept referring to trade-off. He said, well, I actually am supporting the idea that we need to do climate action, but we need to face the trade-off. That was six, seven, eight months ago. This prominent figure now goes out to the world, and he's talking about the win-win about the benefits that are emerging for Indonesia, emerging into the low-carbon development plan. So by means of having this very prominent individual passing along the message to everybody who is connected to him and his base has helped to a large extent to shift the narrative and to make people understand that actually these are things that are good for everybody and that eases significantly the implementation of policies. It's not an easy path, it's a rocky road, but engagement, communication, and the ability to pass on the message about the benefits of the climate transition are the key to, to achieve those goals. And then, do you have any advice for Harvard University students and the broader community about the new climate economy? Anything you, further you could share with us? As I was saying earlier to a student here, I think a key element is to both think small and think big. It's an enormous privilege to be a student in this amazing environment at Harvard University, being exposed to such an enormous source of knowledge and good education and excellent communication and contacts with amazing people that come here. So I think that having that privilege means that those who feel that it is their call to contribute with causes such as this one on climate action, they should feel encouraged and trying to participate. There are no shortages of initiative, coalitions, proposals, institutions that are trying to foster to bring climate action to make it possible. So I would suggest them just to go out to pick their specific area of interest, if it is on climate, where they would like to collaborate, and I'm sure that the resources, the opportunities will be there for them. I think that actually there is a clear advantage and a clear opportunity. And this is really important. I, I cannot stress enough how important it would be to have engaged brilliant people such as those that you will find here in Harvard. Climate change is the biggest externality humanity has ever faced, which makes it more appealing 
and more challenging at the same time and more necessary that people with the skills the knowledge education and the passion would be part of this initiative so I, I would tell them go for it you have the knowledge you have the education you have the college there are not going to be shortages of places for you to go and the second thing I told this person is think small even if you are not doing that in the next six months because you have problem sets and mm-hmm. then you have exams and you have still <laughs> things to do there are things that you still can do at the personal level uh, you know what they said about the power of one and that was telling you know uh, get your water bottle and, and don't use that straw don't use that plastic bag and you know mm-hmm. you don't need to, to waste as much as you are wasting as we are wasting so let's start with doing the small things that we can do that in our reach and then start to move into these other big activities once that we end our commitments and we don't need to end our commitments in hard we still can kickstart things uh, <laughs> in campus i'm sure Yeah, I'd like to thank you again for your time and for being here with us. Thank you very much, Leonardo. Thanks very much. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to learn more about CID's research and events, please visit cid.harvard.edu. See you next week.